Our reading today will come from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, from verses 1 to 8 to 7. This is what it says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verses 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Help me invite Assistant Bishop Munala just to come and preach to us God's word. Then I'm going to pray for him. Well, that's it. Let me thank God for, for you. Lord, we thank you for Assistant Bishop Munala. We thank you for the word that you've placed in his heart. We thank you that, Lord, you would use him mightily today. We pray for our hearts that, Lord, we would be ready to hear you. We know that your word is light. Your word causes us to know you more. May you shed abroad your light through your words today in our hearts that, Lord, we would love you more, trust you more, and live holy and godly lives to the praise of your name, O God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. It is so wonderful for me to uh, be here today and to uh, be able to share uh, God's word uh, with us. It's always a joy uh, to be able to do this, and I do thank the Lord. Many of you would agree with me that uh, we live uh, in a world that is full of twists and turns, uh, full of uncertainties. Many are the times when we do not know what to expect at the next turn in the journey of life, at the next bend, so to speak, on the road of journey, or on the road of life, or rather as we do life. Many of you who have been here on earth long, you would agree with me that Sometimes it's very difficult to navigate through life. Life can be unpredictable and at times uh, very uh, challenging. I'm sure that uh, there are many in this room today, uh, if you could get a chance to start life all over again, you would jump at the opportunity because in the course of life through the twists and turns and valleys and hills and struggles of life you have made decisions and today you find yourself at what i call the fork of the road and you don't know whether to turn right to turn left or to keep going you know there are many christians in our world today who are confused they are living a life full of anxiety and fear they are clueless in terms of how to navigate through this what i would call turbulent life that we live in and perhaps the question that uh, we need to ask ourselves today is this why why is it that we have so many christians today in our world 
who are living an anxious life, a fearful life, a confused life, and yet they profess to be Christians, to be followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, I want to submit to you this afternoon that one of the major reasons that I believe many Christians are stuck on the highway of life like broken cars, stalled, unable to move and navigate through uh, the challenges of life is we have many Christians who believe in a God who they do not trust. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Munala, what do you mean who believe in a God they don't trust? Isn't that the same thing to believe and to trust? I believe that there's a huge difference between believing in a God or believing in a God or believing in the existence of God and then turning around in the ups and downs and challenges and struggles of life and trust the same God that you believe to exist to carry you through. So there are many Christians who believe that there is a God. If you are to, to ask them, they can affirm, even as the Apostle Creed say, I believe in God, the creator of heaven and earth. But during those turbulent times of life, they forget about this very God that they believe in. And so I believe that that is perhaps one of the key reasons why many, many Christians find themselves at the fork of the road, fearful, anxious, confused. Because I believe in a, a God who exists and who created the universe, but I also live in a world. And therefore, I believe in God, but I don't trust. I don't trust him. Some of you may recall probably about Roughly a year ago, I had the opportunity of being able to walk with us through some selected passages in the book of Proverbs. And uh, we spent quite some time talking about financial wisdom that comes out of the book of Proverbs because there are principles that God has placed in that book that help us to navigate our lives around finances. One of my greatest regrets as I have thought about that series of messages that we shared is that we ran out of time before I could share what I consider to be the greatest principle in life when it comes to wisdom as far as navigating through this tabulous, uh, difficult, uh, twisted world. And that principle, in fact, I would say, is a principle that holds together 
all the other principles that are listed in the book of Proverbs, and I would say throughout the Bible. It is a principle that comes out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. In this passage of scripture, the writer of the book of Proverbs, under the inspiration of God himself, says regarding this world that is full of uh, twists and turns and hills and valleys and how you and I are to navigate our way through it, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Other versions say, and he will make your way straight. In other words, in this crooked world, in this unpredictable world, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean, do not lean on your own understanding but in all your ways trust in him and he will make your path straight so that along the highway of life's journey you will not get to the place where you get stalled down like a broken car on a highway. The key is trusting in God with all of your heart and not leaning on your own understanding, acknowledging him. And he will make your path straight. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. It's a passage that I pray that each one of us will take and place in our hearts and walk with it day and night in this turbulent, unpredictable world. You see, I see several things in this passage regarding how we can live wisely and succeed and be effective, and be all that God designed us to be, even though we live in a very sinful world that has hills and valleys and challenges of all kinds. The first thing that I see in this passage, if you and I are going to navigate through this turbulent world, it is going to be because we trust in the Lord entirely. We trust in the Lord without any reservations. But perhaps the question that uh, we need to ask is this, what does it really mean to trust in the Lord? What does it really mean to trust in the Lord? Now there are several words in Hebrew translated Trust in the English language. 
Words that uh, help us to understand, at least from a biblical perspective, what it means to trust and in the process to trust in the Lord. There is the word galao. And uh, I would say, uh, Bishop, to bear with me, he's one of our Old Testament experts and pronounces this word very well. Galao is a word that uh, means to relieve someone of the weight that they are carrying on their back. And in essence, meaning that when we talk about putting our trust in God, we are talking about God taking our burdens off our backs and giving us relief. But there is another word for trust translated, uh, another word in Hebrew, trust, uh, translated trust, and that is the word yahal. The word yahal has the idea of placing hope in another, which simply means that when we talk about putting our trust in God, we are simply saying that I take all my hope, all my hopes in relation to everything in life, and I am putting it in the Lord. I'm hoping for the Lord to handle this situation. But there's another word in Hebrew, and it's the word kasal. Uh, the word kasal uh, means to flee, has a, or rather to, uh, to take a refuge or a shelter under. It's the word that uh, Isaiah uses in Isaiah chapter 25 when he talks about the trustworthiness of God, when he's calling upon the Israelites and saying to them, trust in God because he is trustworthy. And in verse 4 he said, speaking to God, oh, you Lord, are a refuge to the poor. You are a refuge to the needy in times of distress. You are a shelter in, time, in times of storms and are shared during those times when it's hot and, and there is heat. That was Isaiah's description of God when it comes to the matter that pertains to trustworthiness. But there is another word in Hebrew that is also translated trust. And it's the word bakhal, or bakhal, depending on how you pronounce it. In Proverbs chapter 3, this is the word for trust that is used. It's a word that uh, means to confide in or to lean on. It conveys the idea of abandonment. In other words, when we talk about putting our trust in God, we are in essence saying that we are abandoning ourselves. We are giving ourselves. We are taking our entire lives with every situation that we, that, 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 that's part of our lives and we are placing ourselves into the hands of God and literally saying, God, I have no one else 
except you. I am living, so to speak, myself. I have no any other way, no idea what to do about my situation. I am placing myself into your hand and, so to speak, leaving myself there, abandoning myself there so that you can guide and lead and do what you have to do to make my path straight. Bakhal, you abandon yourself into the hands of God and you allow God to do what he does best. Perhaps over these years, you have a wayward child and you have sat with your child, you have given them counsel, you have done everything that needs to be done and you've come to a place where you have nowhere else to turn and you come before God and you say, this situation is impossible. I can't get my son, my daughter to hear and to follow the right path, but I am abandoning myself and this situation, God, into your hands so that you may take care of it. Maybe you have lost a loved one and, and we know how painful it is to lose a loved one. And you, you can't see the future because this loved one has been taken away. And, and you come before God and you say, God, I can't see the next turn of journey. And what I'm doing, God, is that I am abandoning myself in your hands because you can see far ahead that I can, that I can see. Perhaps you work for some, somebody, an employer, a boss, who you have tried to change over a period of time, but it's hard and difficult. Perhaps you have a spouse, a wayward spouse, and you have talked, you have done what needs to be done, you have counseled with them, and so you have come, so to speak, at the end of the rope, and you don't know what to do. What it says here is trust in the Lord. And to a certain extent, what you have been doing, stop doing that, we could say, that is leaning on your own understanding, and come and abandon yourself in the Lord. And allow the Lord to take over this situation. To be able to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, we must come to that place where we ask ourselves, what is it that defines me as a person who puts his or her trust in the Lord? What is the beginning? And I want to say that the beginning of trusting in the Lord is expressed in me making the Lord God the first stop as far as matters of life are concerned. And I am not just talking about those times when you and I go through difficult times. I'm talking about every aspect of our lives that I consider that God is first and should be first in knowing about my situation. He should be first 
in knowing my joys, my failures, everything. He is the first person that I bring my concerns and attentions to. You see, many Christians are stranded because we go first to some other place. And then we come to the Lord almost to ask the Lord to approve what decisions we have made. Isn't that why we are stuck at the fork of the road, not knowing whether we should turn right or left? Because at the time when we had a decision to make, at the time when we, were, we had that contract to sign as far as our businesses are concerned, we went ahead and signed and did everything, and now we are coming to God to approve what we already decided to do. And we find ourselves at the fork of the road. Whether the business is successful or not, we are finding that we are not having that contentment that any success should bring to a person's life. Where do you go first when you have a challenge or when you have a decision to make? Where do you go first? Because that explains who it is that you trust in. I think this is exemplified very well in the life of a man by the name Nehemiah. Many of you are familiar with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of the men who were taken into captivity from his land in Israel, in Jerusalem. And while in captivity, he rose in ranks and became the cupbearer of the king. But uh, Nehemiah was patriotic to his country, and he never forgot that back home there were some remnants, there were people who were left there. And he constantly asked what their condition was. And one day he was given information regarding what was going on in Jerusalem and the people who lived in Jerusalem. In, in, in chapter 1, verse 4, we read his response to this information. It says, as soon as I heard these words, the words were that things are bad. The people in Jerusalem who are left there are in deplorable uh, condition. They are in the desperate situation. The walls of, Jer of Jerusalem are not in place. It is insecure. It's a bad situation for the people there. Then he says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the Lord of heaven. And I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. I want you to notice, to notice something there. You see, in order for you to trust in God, you need to understand his character. You need to understand how God relates with us. You need to understand that he is a great God, that he is an awesome God, that there is nothing that is impossible with God. And once you understand that, you now submit yourself to his ways and to his will. Or we could say you abandon yourself to his ways and to his will. 
And what Nehemiah is doing here is, first of all, he's declaring that I know you, O God, and how you operate. I know you, O God, and how you deal with people. And so, because I have this mountain of a problem, I am coming to you, O God, knowing who you are. That's why he said, O Lord of God of heaven, the great and awesome, you are awesome, you are awesome God, and you are a God who keeps your promises, you keep covenants, and, you, and your love for me is steadfast. This was Nehemiah's vision of God. And then he now submits, he now abandons himself to, to speak and his issue to the Lord. And he continues to speak about the problem that he has before the Lord God Almighty. Nehemiah recognized that where you go first is not to the king to begin crying about your issues. Where you go first is not, you don't call all the other Israelites who are captives and tell them the problem. The place you go first is to the Lord and you express your need to the Lord and you remind God who he is, his character. He is a God who knows what he's doing. He is an awesome and great God. And because you are an awesome and great God, I am bringing this matter to you with confidence that you can be able to handle, you are able to take care of this matter, of this issue. That is, that was Nehemiah's view of God that drove him to abandon himself and his needs before God. Now remember that this was a difficult situation. Nehemiah is miles away or, or, or kilometers away from, from his people, the Israelites. How do you deal with this situation? Well, God, I have no way. I can't even begin to imagine what to do. But I am throwing myself. I am leaving myself in your mighty, awesome, great hands so that you can be able to handle this situation. You take care of the situation in Jerusalem. And you know, in chapter 2, we read that God had already answered his prayer. But Nehemiah exhibits the same characteristic of being a person who trusts in God and God is the first place that he stops. Because when he is in the presence of the king, the king asks him, what should we do about this situation? And Nehemiah doesn't open his mouth and start saying all the things that he thinks that is leaning on his own understanding. He First of all, the Bible tells us that he prayed in his heart so that God would make his decision for him regarding this matter. That's what it means to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You place your hope in God. You allow God to take the burden off your back so that you can be able to be free. You then take yourself, so to speak, with all your issues, with, all, with everything that pertains to your life, and you place yourself in the hands of God so that he then determines the next action in your life. In other words, you're abandoning yourself to the will because God has a will. You abandon yourself to his ways and that will of God may be very different from the way that you see things. The ways of God may be different from your own ways, but you say, God, you know much better than I do and so I am submitting myself to you. See, indeed, the best way to know if you trust in the Lord is to ask yourself, 
this very important question. Where do you normally go first when you are confronted with a problem, with a challenge? When you are going through those twists and turns and valleys and you get yourself stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, where do you go first? Because where you go first is going to help you to know if you trust in the Lord or not. Someone has correctly observed what you trust or who you trust is where you go first. Whenever you have a problem, you can easily know what you trust. Because when you have an issue, that's where you go first. That is what you are banking on. And you bank on the thing you believe will be best to help you out of your issues. You see, we first place our trust, many of us, in our friends. We enter into romantic relationships. And when we have been beaten in those relationships, that's when we remember to come back to the Lord. We enter into business contracts. And it's when, as I said earlier, we don't find contentment, whether we have succeeded or failed, that now we run back to the Lord. But you see, the Lord wants it the other way around. He wants to be the one that determines. And the only way that God determines the next course of action in your life is when you consider him first above all things. Trust in the Lord. Trust him first. Lean not on your own understanding, which is the second point that I want to uh, share with us. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But then he says, and do not lean on your own understanding. I want to believe that this is perhaps one of the key reasons why Christians, not just the regular human beings who don't have Christ in their life, that's why many Christians are stuck at the fork of the road. You see, in life, especially in the Christian life, we Christians know that we are to trust in God. Uh, it is something that is probably preached in almost all sermons. There will always be an angle, uh, rather an angle of trusting in God. So we know that we are called upon as God's people to trust in God. But we also know that we live in a real world. In a, and in a real world, you have to be realistic about some of the decisions that you make. So yes, here, I want to trust in God. But I can't believe God enough because I know how things work in the world I live in. Did you know that here in Kenya we have, we have a worldview of how to carry on your life? One of those worldviews is you can't get a job unless you give something 
or you have an uncle or a relative in that company or in the government. This is a common view among many Kenyans. Uh, we have a view that says there is no way that you can be a genuine Christian and at the same time be able to run a successful business. This is a common worldview, we could say, of how to survive uh, in Kenya. And there are many others, things that we have placed in our minds and in our hearts. This is how you survive in the country called Kenya. And so, as Christians, we find ourselves being called upon to trust in God, who we cannot see. And yet, at the same time, we are being pulled in the other direction to be realistic, to see things from our naked eyes. The Apostle James addresses this issue. And in the book of James, chapter 3, he says, there are two kinds of wisdom. There is the natural wisdom... And then there's a wisdom from God. The natural wisdom is the wisdom where you look at things from a human perspective. God's wisdom is where you look at things from God's perspective. And so we find a lot of Christians who are stuck in between. Yes, they're trying to follow God. They're trying to do the things, but they're still holding on to the worldview, to the way that the world uh, addresses issues and defines how to navigate through the turbulence times of life. And so we hold on to life with our, with our life, so to speak. Perhaps some of you are familiar with uh, water skiing. How many of you are familiar with water skiing? I, I knew, I guessed it, that most of you don't know anything. You have no idea about water skiing. Yes, a lot of uh, uh, African people don't know what water skiing is. But water skiing is a very interesting sport. It has actually been described as perhaps one of the most enjoyable, yet the most dangerous sport in the world. One day, I was sitting by the lake on a beautiful afternoon. It, we had just come from winter and it was sunny and nice out like somewhere in Canada. And I'm looking and I'm seeing all these wonderful people water skiing. Water skiing involves a rope being tied on a, on a boat and you hold on to this rope. And then, you know, uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about, water skiing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, once the boat uh, picks up speed, and you stand and you're holding and you're standing and what happens at the boat will uh, the, 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 ski, the, the skis that you're wearing and the boat will just pull you and you'll go from side to side and it's just a beautiful sight to watch. Richard Munala. I looked at this and I said it would be really nice <laughs> if I could try water skiing. <laughs> I had a friend, the friend that we had visited, the, one of them was here this, this morning. Uh, encouraged me and said, you can do it, Richard. So I, uh, I think I've told you stories of how sometimes I take risky stuff. I decided, why not? And in any case, I wanted to impress them, but on the other hand, I 
just imagined holding on that thing and being swung on the left and on the right and, and just enjoying this beautiful lake. So we got into the boat. To ski, there are some equipments that you need. You need a life jacket. A life jacket is a very important piece of equipment. Whether you know how to swim or you don't know how to swim, when you go to uh, water skiing, you must put on your life jacket. And then, of course, there are the ski shoes that you put on. That's it. We got into the boat. They helped me to put the ski shoes on, made sure that the life jacket was put in place, and I jumped into the water. I don't know how to swim. I have no idea. Bishop Charles has tried to teach me how to swim many times. Now we are not vacationing together because I am afraid. <laughs> he will say, do you know how to swim? I have no idea why people are able to float in water and then just enjoy it. <laughs> how, how do you float in water, really? So I don't know how to swim. My trainer had told me that once the boat begins to move, you hold on to this rope, you lift yourself up. I had him well, and that <laughs> is exactly what I did. He was looking ahead as he pumped this boat to begin its journey. And immediately he started, I fell into the water. I was holding on to the rope, and he was speeding the boat. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so I held onto the rope with my entire life. You see, the idea of a water skiing is this. If you happen to fall, the first thing you do is you let go of the rope. That's why you have a life jacket. My mind told me <laughs> that the life jacket can hold me. But I can't trust. My mind told me, hold on to this rope. So everybody on the show knew that this was a dangerous thing that was happening. And they were screaming, let go of the rope. But I could hear nothing of that. I was hoping <laughs> somehow I would catch up with the boat. <laughs> Well, eventually, sense came into my mind, and I let the rope go. And you guessed it right. The life jacket did the work which it was designed to do, and that is to hold me and, and, and help me to float in the middle of the lake. Immediately, I felt that I was floating, if you're not a swimmer, you try to step down. <laughs> I could not step down because uh, there's no ground to hold me. But the life jacket did its work. It held me until the boat came back to rescue me. There are Christians who are holding on to worldly views. You know very well that you're wearing a life jacket that can hold you in life, in the twists and turns and bends of life. But you don't believe 100% that this jacket can hold you 
can help you to stay afloat. So you are holding on to this rope with your life. And the water is beating you and almost crushing you to death. That's why, like that broken vehicle, you are at the fork of the road, not knowing whether to turn left or to turn right because you have not put your trust 100% entirely with all of your heart to the Lord. You are still holding on to these world views that I cannot be able to do this, that you cannot be able to get this position, that you cannot be able to get married in the right way, and therefore you must do one or two things. Use your common sense. Man, we live in a realistic world. You can't trust the jacket to carry you along. The writer of Proverbs comes and says, if you want to navigate through this turbulent life to make the right decisions, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding that is faulty because you are sinful and therefore some of the decisions that you make are already tainted by sin and you don't make the right decisions. But trust in the Lord and he will direct your path. You, you, know, you know Abraham is the one who was told leave. He could have relied on his understanding leave, go where? You recall that it was later on when God came to Abraham and said to Abraham, you are going to have a son. And his wife, Sarah, what did she do? You see, Sarah was very well acquainted with the opinions of the world, with the perspectives of the world. And the perspective of the world is that once you reach a certain age, you can't have what? You can't have children. And God rebuked Sarah. See, God is very gracious. God understood that the Bible is not saying don't have understanding. We need understanding. We need people to understand how the world operates. But he says don't lean on that understanding. That's what Sarah was doing. She was leaning on her understanding that you can't have a child. And God rebukes her and says is anything is there anything that is too hard for God. On the other hand, Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, she too was acquainted with the, uh, with, the, with the view of the world. And the view of the world is that you don't get pregnant. Uh, yeah, you, you don't get pregnant uh, just like that. She understood that. And uh, when the angel came and said to Mary, you will have a baby. She, in her answer, abandoned herself to the will and the ways of God by saying, even though I may not understand how this is possible, what I am doing, God, is that I am submitting myself to your will. She said, let it be done unto me as the Lord wills. In other words, God has spoken he is able to do it. And therefore, I am looking at things from God's perspective and not from man's uh, perspective. And so the call upon us here is this. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
you probably are looking at your life and your understanding is that you have you have done education. You've gotten your BA, you've gotten your MBA, you've gotten your PhD. And your entire life is woven in education. The writer of Proverbs comes and says, don't lean on your own understanding, which includes don't lean on your qualifications. You know, in this world that is so twisted and so unpredictable, something could happen to you and you become totally unable to use your qualifications. And the question would be, what do I do? Because I had put all my hope in my education. Don't put all your hope, so to speak. Don't put your trust, the right of Hebrew say, in your spouse. Now I'm talking about a different kind of trust. Don't put, or maybe the right word is, don't lean on your spouse. Lean on God. Why? Because your wife could die. Your husband could die. What happens after that? You come to the fork of the road and you become totally unable to move forward because you can't turn right, you can't turn left. It looks like the darkness has come. But you see, if you are placed your trust in God and you believe in the sovereign power of God, and you believe that there is nothing that takes God by surprise, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you believe that God is, um, is his wisdom is infinite, that there is nothing that can thwart God's plan and purpose. He is great and he's awesome. If you believe in that, then you will take your life and you'll place it in God so that when all these things come beating up your, at, at your house, you will be safe in the arms of God and not stranded and not become like a broken car on the highway, not knowing where to turn or where to, 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 or how to move. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all, all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. May God bless you. May God uh, his face shine upon you. Thank you.